Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Last week we started with a new sermon series um, entitled The uh, Christian in the City. And um, we want to address the reality that even though there's a lot of common experience um, and common challenges and benefits and blessings that Christians experience all across the world, whether they live in urban or rural settings, there are special challenges that we face as Christians in a city. Okay? Cities are much more fast-paced. There's much higher density of people. Um, often there are more opportunities, but also more temptations. Uh, often... Um, yeah, it's, it, they are just unique challenges that we face. And, and the reality is also, lots of people don't want to live in cities. Lots of Christians even don't want to live in cities. I remember when, when uh, we were um, approached by Pastor Heinrich, who is now down in Somerset West, um, to take over from him here in Joburg. Um, you know, your, your, your stereotypes of Joburg come up. The first two things you, most people think of when they think of Joburg is traffic and crime. <laughs> and, and I remember my, my wife was a little bit hesitant, you know, initially to come to Joburg. But they say you only cry twice in Joburg, and it's when you come and when you have to leave. <laughs> and, and Joburg is a place that grows on you. And what I've realized in the last couple of years is that God is really serious about cities. Because God is serious about people. And cities contain the highest density of people. And that's why God takes cities seriously. And, and why we have unique opportunities to serve God in the city. So we're going to be sharing in the uh, next while a little bit from Jeremiah chapter 29. A very well-known chapter. Jeremiah is not a very popular book amongst Christians because a lot of it is just, you know, God speaking judgment over the nations and so on. But there are also a few very powerful and well-known um, portions in um, Jeremiah that Christians often like. And Jeremiah 29, fortunately, is one of them. So I'm going to read the first 10 verses. And I want you to open your heart to allow the Holy Spirit to speak you th to you through these texts. And to maybe surprise you and show you that um, cities are more important than you realize and that you, uh, God has plans for you here that you might, might not have realized or appreciated up to now. So, Jeremiah 29 from verse 1, it says, These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar obviously was the king of Babylon, of the, which was the sort of mega power, the empire at the time. This, this was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother. Hang on, let me read from there. I think I've got a different version up here. This, <laughs> this was after King Jehoiachin and the queen mother, the court officials, and the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the skilled workers, and the artisans had gone into exile from Jerusalem. 
Next slide. He entrusted the letter to Elasa, son of Shaphan, and to uh, Jeremiah, son of uh, Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. It said, and here's the text of the letter, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. And this place, obviously, uh, in context, is Jerusalem. So we have a situation after 560, uh, 586 before Christ. Um, Nebuchadnezzar had attacked Jerusalem and conquered Jerusalem, and Jerusalem was subjugated to Nebuchadnezzar for a while. Well, the kingdom of Judah, the whole kingdom of Judah was subjugated to him. But they rebelled, and then he came a second time, and he took them into captivity. And this time he did what the Babylonians of the, that time did. They took a lot of the social elite, uh, and, and, and some of them are mentioned here, the priests, the prophets, a lot of the elders of the people. Um, it mentions the king, the queen mother, um, the government officials. It mentions, skills, mentions skilled workers and artisans. And, and they were taken into captivity into Babylon. A lot of the people were, uh, were taken. Um, and they didn't want to be there. They didn't want to go to Babylon. They wanted to be back in Jerusalem. Because it was difficult in Babylon because it was a foreign culture, really a mixing pot. It was a metropolis, um, a cos really cosmopolitan place where there was a, where a lot of cultures represented, uh, where their native language, Hebrew, wasn't the spoken language. You know, Aramaic was spoken in Babylon. And where it was very pluralistic. In Jerusalem, everyone served the Lord. When you walk down the street, there weren't shrines with idols in them. But when you walk down the street in Babylon, on every street corner there was a shrine with idols in it. If you saw idols in Jerusalem, you just broke them down because no one was supposed to serve the Lord. But you cannot just do that in, in Babylon. You get in trouble. And, you know, it, it was a challenge because it's this pluralistic society, this, this society where they feel like outsiders. And that is different, where, where everyone in the society is different from them. It's uncomfortable, and they didn't want to be there. So what they did was they settled on the edge of the city, outside the city, and they started this camp, basically, this encampment, and said, we're going to stay there. And their prophets, and uh, you know, they said to the prophets, what is the Lord saying? Isn't the Lord saying that he's going to take us home soon? 
And the prophet says, yes, yea, thus saith the Lord, that within two years he will take you back from, uh, you know, Jerusalem to, uh, from Babylon to Jerusalem. Um, Jeremiah was prophesying in Jerusalem that God was, God actually told him to make a yoke. You know what a yoke is? It's this wooden thing that you put on the neck of oxen if you want them to plow. So God said to him, make a yoke. And he, and he went to the temple in front of the priests and some of the prophets. He put the yoke on his neck and he said that God has put this yoke of Nebuchadnezzar on the neck of Israel as judgment for Israel's disobedience. And I think it was Hananiah, one of the other prophets said, no, you know, that's not true. And he took the yoke off Jeremiah's neck and he broke it. And he says, thus saith the Lord, within two years, he's going to break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar and he's going to bring the people of Israel back to Jerusalem. And the people were like, yes, that's what we want to hear. That's what we want to hear. We're going back home within two years. And God spoke after Jeremiah left the temple. God spoke to him and he said, tell Ananiah, because he prophesied lies in my name, within less than a year he's going to die. And he did. And then Jeremiah wrote this letter to Israel saying, listen, don't listen to these lies that you, you know, where the prophets tell you what you want to hear. The reality is you're going to be here for a long time. You're going to be here for 70 years. You're going to be in Babylon for 70 years. So I, I don't want you to just settle outside the city. I want you to settle in the city, build houses, plant gardens, get married. It's going to be a long while. Okay? Now, they were carried, the Israelites were carried to Babylon by forces outside of their control. Nebuchadnezzar was the, you know, sort of leader of the superpower of that time. And, and they were conquered and forced into exile and taken forcefully to Babylon when they didn't want to go there. And often in our modern times, people also come to cities. I mean, urbanization has been like a serious movement in the world. Do you know that for the first time in human history since 2007, there have been more people living in cities than outside of cities? For the first time in human history, the majority of the human population lives in cities right now, and that number is increasing. The percentage of people living in cities is increasing. And so a lot of people come to cities, and a lot of people come to cities even though they don't really want to come to cities. So we, we're sort of in the same situation. Many people are in the same situation or a similar situation as the Israelites because people are forced into cities because cities, well, number one, they, they, call, they say they are, they are um, push forces that push people away from rural areas because often there's not enough work. Sometimes there are droughts or famines or, or, or you know, something else, floods or stuff, go, things go wrong. And people are pushed away from the rural areas. But there are also pull forces. Like in cities, there are more job opportunities. There's often a better um, sort of standard of life, better education and health care and all those kind of stuff. And all of those forces pushing and pulling at people are driving people. And people are migrating and moving to the cities, sometimes against their wills. And they're saying, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd rather not be here, but this is the only place I could find a job. Or I'd rather not be here, but, you know, fill in the blank. And um, something interesting happens in this text. Because on the one hand, it says that Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon took them into captivity. But then twice in the letter, right at the beginning in the letter in verse 4, 
and sort of in the middle of the letter, God says it twice, just so that we don't miss it. He says, yes, Nebuchadnezzar carried you into exile, but I sent you to exile. I sent you to Babylon. And what he's saying here, and we really need to get this. All of us living in the city need to get this, especially those of us who are sort of hesitant to be here. It doesn't matter what human or worldly forces outside of your control brought you to the city. God sent you here. You are here because God wants you here. That's important to know. Because if you think you're just here because world's forces and human forces outside of your control forced you here, you're going to live here very grudgingly. And you're not going to seek the peace and prosperity of the city. And you're not going to be able to live here the way God wants you to live here. You see, God wants us to be able to live everywhere as though He sent us there. Because He did send us here. He did send us here. Amen? Now, there's a nice little picture here in this passage that shows us how Nebuchadnezzar and God work together to get the Israelites. It's, it's sort of a parallel because Jeremiah sends a letter. Okay? But Jeremiah doesn't take the letter. He entrusts the letter to Elisha and Jeremiah. And, he, and they not, they, their main purpose in traveling to Babylon is not to take the letter. But King Je, uh, Jehoiakim, who was taken out and deposed because he didn't want to submit, he rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar, was replaced with King Zedekiah. And King Zedekiah was sending a letter to Babylon to King Nebuchadnezzar to report back and say, this is how things are going in Jerusalem. And Jeremiah asked them, just by the way, please take this letter with you. Even though this is not your main purpose for going to Babylon, take this letter with you to Israel, to the elders there, and give this letter to them. And in a similar way, in a parallel way, Israel was God's letter to Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar's purpose was not for God to communicate to Babylon, but God had that purpose. And he, in a sense, sent Israel as a letter to Babylon. So just like Jeremiah's letter was taken by the hand of Elisha and Jeremiah, so God's living letter was taken by the hand of King, ba King Nebuchadnezzar to Babylon. Can you see that? And likewise, you might say, well, I, I didn't come to the city to serve God. Yes, that might not have been the purpose that was front of your mind, but God sent you here to come and serve Him and to come and serve the city for that matter. So if it is true that God, according to Acts 17 verse 23, marked out the appointed times in history of, of the nations and the boundaries of their lands, then God is the one moving people to the cities of the world today. God is the one sending people to the cities of the world today. Um, and the word sent, who of you know that the word mission is just the Latin version or comes from the Latin version of the word sent? So when, you send, when God sends us to the city, He's sending us on a mission to the city to come and serve Him in the city. So we're on mission in the city because God sent us here. So if God is sending us to cities on mission, it is because He Himself is on mission in those cities. You see, the, the important thing you must understand about mission is that mission is not something God creates. 
or not, it's, firstly, it's not something God does out there. It's something God does everywhere. And secondly, it's not something God creates to occupy His church lest they become bored. That's very important to realize. God doesn't have a mission for His church. God has a church for His mission. You see, God had a mission before He had a church. And God created His church to fulfill His mission. And His mission has always been to bless the nations. He says, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth with people who are blessed. After the fall, when we receive the curse, God says, Abraham, I'm choosing you. You'll become a nation, the nation of Israel, that through you and your descendants, all nations might be blessed. That's been God's mission from the beginning. And now He says, I'm sending you, Israel, to this you know, ungodly city of Babylon to go and be a blessing. Because I want to bless the city of, of Babylon. You're on mission. And, and God has a mission. So, mission is not something that we do for God. Mission is something that God does that He invites us into. And God, when He sent you to this city, He was inviting you into His mission to the city. He sent you here to come and serve the city because He was already working in the city. And He already wants to save people in the city. Does that make sense? Does that help you think a bit differently about being in the city and why you're in the city? Um, a professor of, of missiology called Roger Greenway um, wrote in one of his books, you can just bring up that quote, it may be helpful to those who harbor misgivings about cities to reflect on the fact that urbanization as a present fact of life for most of the human family is a reality under the providential control of God. By means of these enormous gatherings of people, God provides the church with one of history's greatest opportunities for evangelization. Pressed together in metropolises, the races, the tribes, the diverse groups are geographically more accessible than ever before. God in, his, in, God in our time is moving climatically through a variety of social, political, and economic factors to bring Earth's people into closer contact with one another and into greater interaction and interdependence and into earshot of the gospel. By this movement, God carries forward His redemptive purpose in history, a sign of our time is the city. Through worldwide migration to the city, God may be setting the stage for Christi Christian mission's greatest and perhaps final hour. Isn't that amazing? So, we should live in the city as though God sent us to the city because God did send us to the city. You can live everywhere in the city as though God sent you there. Because he did send you here. So why cities? Cities are places where everything is multiplied. The good, the bad, and the ugly. So you get more riches and wealth in cities, but you also get more poverty, worse poverty in cities. You, um, you, you get more health care in cities, but also more sickness in cities. Everything is multiplied. Um, and two capital cities are mentioned here. Jerusalem in this passage. Jerusalem, the capital of Israel, and Babylon, the capital of uh, the Babylonian Empire. Notice that they are capital cities, not capital towns or villages. Okay? 
because cities have always been the places of influence um, and continue to be. So, so cities are always places of influence. And that's why from the city of Jerusalem, the king, the queen mother, the governing officials were taken because that city was the place of influence in Israel and in Judah. And they moved those influences, those um, governmental influences to Babylon in order to enculturate them, make them part of the Babylonian culture so that if maybe they go back, they won't resist Babylonian, Babylonian occupation. Um, it's also places of excellence. Wherever you have more people, everything that, there's more competition, so everything happens with more excellence. That's why it talks about the skilled workers and the artisans. You wouldn't have got workers as skilled in metalworking, for instance, in the little villages like Gibeon and Gilead in Judah as you got in Jerusalem. The most skilled workers were in Jerusalem because that's where the work was. That's where the competition was. That's where they could do well. The best musicians weren't found in the little backwaters. They were found in the cities because that's where the competition was. That's where the work was. So cities in general, because of the high density of people and the competition and everything that goes with that. I mean, in cities you had... Um, the thing in ancient times that made, it, made a city a city was that it had a wall around it. So there was protection. There were resources. And because there were many people, people could specialize. You didn't have to be a farmer and a metal worker. You could choose between the two because you could take the metal that you work, the plowshares that you make, and go, go and exchange it with a farmer for crops and stuff that he grows. So there could be specialization and therefore excellence, pockets of excellence. And therefore, if we can influence the cities, we can influence the world. And even people who live in rural areas are influenced by the city today because of the internet. Even if those people don't come to the city, the city is going to them. Guess where most of the YouTube videos and the TikTok posts and the whatever else are made? By people in cities. Can you see why cities are important to God and, and should be important to us as Christians? And there's always been a lot of transfer and growth, uh, transfer between and growth of cities back then and now. Think about this. In 1950, 30% of the world's population lived in cities. 1950. In 2007, it was 50% for the first time in human history. In 2023, it's 57%. By 2050, I, okay, my stats are a bit old, it says 66%, two-thirds, but I, I think it's going to be more than that. I think the estimates have been conservative. That's how fast urbanization is happening. From 1950, 30% to 53% now, and it's continuing to grow. Four and a half billion people live in cities, and roughly three and a half live outside of cities. Roughly five million people move to cities every month. I mean, Johannesburg, if you just take the city itself, excluding Soweto and Ruripuert and those places, it's over five million. It's close to six million. So it's roughly the city of Joburg being added to the cities of the world every month, every single month. That is how fast cities are growing. And here's the problem. The church in the city is not, the churches in cities are not growing as fast as the cities themselves because 
Christians don't want to come to cities and don't want to stay in cities. When Christians come to cities, they say, uh, you know, I'm just here for two or three years, make a bit of money, get a bit of um, work experience, and then I'm moving back. I'm moving on again. And God says, I love cities because there are lots of people in cities. I mean, if you look at, at Joburg, Joburg's growth rate is, you know, it's, it's, been, it's varied over the years, but it's been roughly 2.5% in recent years. And, and in 2019, there were 5.6 uh, million people in in Joburg, and in 2023, there are about 6.2 uh, million people. That's an increase of 570,000 people in less than five years to our city. Do, do you think we've, the church has reached those people, that enough churches have been planted to reach those people in Joburg in the last five years? I mean, if, if, if you... 570,000, if, if you have, you know, um, if, you, if you want churches that, if you, if, you know, if you plant, if you say, okay, we're going to plant churches, uh, how many churches of 100 do we need to plant to reach those 570,000 people? <laughs> it's thousands of churches. Do you think we've planted that many churches in Joburg? And that's just to reach the people with whom the city is increasing. That's not even to reach new people. And increase the percentage of um, church people in, 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 in Joburg. Um, Joburg is 1,645 square uh, kilometers. That means that there are 3,769 people per square kilometer. That's quite a high density of people. But it looks positively sparse if you compare it to places like Bangladesh and Pakistan. Where there are tens of thousands and, and many more people per, per square kilometer. I mean, so many people that you can't even imagine it. God loves people and therefore God loves cities. So instead of having to go to the nations, God is bringing the nations to the cities. We can reach the nations right here. Cities are now the front lines of world missions. Reach the cities, reach the world. Cities are growing faster than the churches in them, and that is not right. We should, as Christians, if we understand urbanization, we should be the first to move to cities and say, we want to stay here and we want to make a difference here because God loves the people who are moving here and God wants to reach them. And this is the best mission field in the world, in cities. So God, God even says, and there are many people, you know, who, who are negative about cities, but, you know, and says, says like the, um, the false prophets in Jeremiah's time, no, you know, God didn't send you here, he's going to send you back. And God said, I have not sent those who say that I have not sent you. You get that? God has not sent those who say that God has not sent you. Therefore, if you can, stay longer in the city. Let's encourage one another to stay longer in the city. If you were planning to stay two years, stay five years. If you um, thought you were forced here against your will, consider that God sent you here. And maybe he wants you to stay here longer than you think, longer than you expect. To do good in the city, to the city, and through the city 
to the rest of the world. So now how to live in the cities? The exiles from Israel settled just outside the city because they didn't want to enter the city. Um, but they were ready to move back within two years, as the false prophets have said they, they would. Now, there are two mistakes that in this letter, in this portion, God tells the Israelites whom he sent into exile to Babylon that he warns them against. The first mistake is isolation. He says, don't isolate yourself. Build houses, live in them. Plant gardens, eat of them. Get married. In other words, don't be isolated from the city. Don't isolate yourself from the city. Settle in the city. Dwell there. But on the other hand, on the one hand, don't be isolated. But on the other hand, don't be assimilated. Don't become part of the city. Don't become like them. He says, after 70 years, I'm going to send you back. So don't get so settled here that you become part of the city that is not recognizable as different from the city and, and where you can't leave the city behind. You see, we are also only temporarily in this city because ultimately we're going to the city of God in heaven. That is our ultimate home. We are citizens of heaven living on earth. We are citizens of the heavenly city living in the earthly city. And we must live as ambassadors of the heavenly city in the earthly city. So, we mustn't assimilate. God also says, you know, He says, build houses, live in them. Plant gardens, eat of them. And then He says, get married and have sons and daughters. Give your sons, in, uh, you know, find, find wives and husbands for your, for your children so that they can also get married and have children. Now, is this going to be a multi-generational thing? But what he's saying there, on the one hand, is settle in, but be different. Because in Babylon, what is marriage? Marriage is a covenant. One man, one woman, forming a family together, having children together. That is what marriage is. That was not the culture in Babylon. In Babylon... There was not the sexual purity and chasteness of limiting yourself to having sexual intercourse only within your marriage and only with your marriage partner. We know, I mean, even today when places are bad, they refer to as Babylon or Sodom. You know? We know in those places marriage and the, 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 the moral culture was very different. And, and what he says is don't assimilate to that moral culture. Don't become like them and just be wild and immoral and, 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 you know, live lives of sexual immorality. Live among them, but live different from them. Get married. Be faithful to your spouse. Have children. Raise them to be the same as you, to have um, a, a sexual morality that's different from the city. You need, it doesn't help you live in the city, but you look the same as the city. You must look different from the city in order to bless them and be used by God to speak to them and to help them and to make a difference in them. You cannot make a difference in the city unless you're different. So on the one hand, don't isolate yourself, but on the other hand, don't assimilate. Live as resident aliens in the city. And um, Danella will say a bit more about this in, in coming se um, sessions. It says... Um, Interesting, it says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon. Did you notice that? Yes, you are here for 70 years as 
partially as punishment for your disobedience. But you're also here for 70 years for the benefit of Babylon. You are sent to the city for the city because God loves the city and the people in the city and He wants to bless them and He's sending you as a blessing to them. He wants us to live in word and deed among and before the people of the city as His representatives and ambassadors. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20 says, You are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making an appeal through us we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And ambassadors must live among the locals and speak the language of the locals, preferably learning to speak it without an accent. Ambassadors have a mission. They have a mission from the, the, the country where they are citizens to the country where they live. And they live, they don't just visit, they don't, they're not just on holiday in the countries where they're ambassadors, they live there amongst the people on a mission to represent the country where they are citizens of. And the Bible says in Philippians, we are citizens of heaven. And we are supposed to live as ambassadors of heaven on earth. Ambassadors of the heavenly city in the earthly cities. And we should live before the people. If you have a mission, then you have a message. Our message is the gospel. If you have a mission, you have a method. A way of living, a lifestyle that should be appealing to the people that you live amongst. And that should win the goodwill of the people. You should have a manner, a way of acting, and a way of speaking that should be attractive. Christ-likeness. And all of that, our mission and the message, the method and the, ma uh, the manner that flows out of it, is part of God's letter to this city through me and you. So God does not have a mission for His church. He has a church for His mission. And He wants us to live everywhere as though He sent us there because He has sent us here. Now, living as ambassador in front of people, doesn't that make you think of something of someone? Someone that's kind of the center of the Bible? Isn't the fact that Jesus, when Jesus incarnated the life of God on earth, when Jesus was sent in exile from heaven to come and live in our city, in our neighborhood, our earthly city, to incarnate, to be God's letter to us, to incarnate the gospel, didn't he also build a house? And doesn't he still live in it? Aren't we his house? Didn't he plant a garden, a vineyard? Aren't we the branches and he's the, vine, the, the true vine? Didn't he also marry us as his bride and leave himself a testimony here on earth and in this city? Can you see that when we live this way, when we live in the city, as the, the way that Jeremiah describes it, the, you know, when we live in... Uh, in the city as though God sent us to the city. We are imitating Christ because that's what Christ did for us. And He's not calling us to do any more than to, to do what He has done. Incarnate the gospel in the city. Incarnate the gospel as ambassadors of God. Represent the city of God, the city of heaven on, in the cities of earth. Okay. Does that encourage you? Does that give you a different perspective on the city? I don't know how, 
the fact that you're actually called to the city and that you're supposed to make a difference in the city by living the gospel, loving the people and obeying the spirit here. And, and just by the way, why could Jesus live so effectively? Why could he so effectively live the gospel and be an ambassador of God on earth? The main reason is because he had the Holy Spirit, right? Guess what? We have the same Holy Spirit that Jesus had. Why do you think Jesus' public ministry only began after he received the Holy Spirit? Now, if Jesus needed the Holy Spirit to fulfill his mission, the mission the Father gave him on earth, how much more do we need the Holy Spirit to do that? And we have that very same Holy Spirit. So that when we live in the city and we move in the city, and we love people in the city. It's God doing it through us. God is moving in the city. God is loving people. God is living the gospel through us. His very presence is with us and among us. And that is encouraging people. So wherever you go, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, whether you work in a business, whether you're an engineer or a teacher or a student or whatever you can live the gospel love the people and obey the spirit everywhere you can live everywhere as though god sent you there because god has sent you there remind yourself every day that you go out into the city to work every day that you come home to your family in the city remind you that god sent you like arthur said god has sent you every day to love your family god has sent you every day as a missionary into the city Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.